Oh, in the game, yo. Why would we do something like this? Show me the money. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Pathetic. I said pathetic? Desperate, pathetic. This is one of you, right? Right, are we talking about a sick guy? Why the fuck are you wasting my two precious hours with your movie? Welcome to the In Development Podcast. It has been six months or so since our last um, episode. And maybe you're wondering uh, what happened. Well, uh, Mike died. That's what happened. So tough to do a show without our co-host. It was a pretty surreal day uh, in Tuesday of last November uh, I think it was the 18th um, when we were supposed to do our podcast. So we had been planning a uh, Friends Thanksgiving spectacular podcast for everybody. And, um, you know, we had, I don't know, we teased it on the podcast two weeks prior. We'd probably been working for it for about, working on it for about five or six weeks. Uh, in the days leading up to when we were supposed to record, we talked every day. We had this lengthy outline of how the show is going to go and maybe if I get my shit a little bit more together and have the interest and wherewithal maybe I'll, I'll present that to you guys although it'll feel obviously a little one-sided um but so we we planned this we had this big document we texted in the morning literally the last text I have from him is about that podcast and, and us speculating on whether or not it would be longer than two hours um because it was really one of our favorite things uh, and so I, I, midday, you know, expected to hear from him around our usual recording time of one or two uh, central time. And I took the dog down and, you know, was like, hey, I got some food. I'm ready to record whenever you are. And uh, didn't hear, didn't hear from him. Um, and then an hour went by and I still didn't hear from him. And so I texted him again. Um and I didn't hear anything back. And I started to get worried because if, if you knew Mike, he was reliable. He was, it was very much unlike him to, to not text back. I mean, it, 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 he's the kind of guy where like, if he'd forgotten his phone, he would have called me collect. He would have found a computer to send me an email. He was resourceful like that. He was dependable. It's one of the reasons we were friends as we sort of shared this unique perspective on life that, hey, when you say you're going to do something, you do it. Um, it was really unique when we were both in L.A., and, and I think it's one of the things that drove us crazy about living there is how you know there seems to be, you say you're going to do something there, and there's like a 20% chance it happens. But for Mike and I, if you say you're going to do something, you do it. And so when I didn't hear from him, I was really worried, and, and so much so that I, I fell asleep, which was very unlike me, um, sort of just shut down like that. Um, I woke up a little bit later. My wife was home from work. This is, of course, when pre-pandemic, when people still went to work. Um, and uh, she was like, hey, what's, what's wrong? How's your podcast going? I was like, I didn't, didn't hear from Mike. And, and she could see that I was worried, but she doesn't have a history with Mike. So she didn't know what a big deal it was that I didn't hear from him. So life went on. Um, you know, and she figured it wasn't a big deal. So time passes. I reach out to producer Gary. He hasn't heard from Mike either. They're Googling, you know, they they feel the same way I do, Gary and his wife, Melinda, that, wait, wait a minute, this is absolutely not like Mike to just sort of vanish. Um, they're checking, you know, 
Bay Area reports of traffic accidents and things like that. Like people understood pretty much right away those closest to him uh, that this was was something was amiss. Um, and so I, weirdly enough, Mike would hate this, but I ended up posting on Facebook, hey, uh, on his wall, if, if anybody's heard from him, let me know because I was, you know, I don't know, an appointment not just for a conversation, but to record something we'd been planning for weeks. Um, and I got a series of messages, um, say anybody's names, but from people I, I sort of knew in, in Mike's orbit, um, a couple saying to call, a couple saying explicitly, you know, that Mike had, had passed away. And then by the time I called his cousin, I sort of knew what had happened and was like, hey, you don't have to say it if you don't want to. Um, but she said that he had, had passed away. Um, and so I guess, I guess he had gone for a swim that morning. Um, was really excited about the podcast. Obviously, I think that's what he had texted me right before that swim. He then, um, swam afterwards was feeling lightheaded and dizzy. Uh, so much so that he like called a friend to, to drive him home from the pool, uh, which, you know, in hindsight, he must've been so scared. Um, and then he went home and walked up the stairs of his apartment and collapsed. Um, and I guess he was very close to a fire station and, and the friend called 911 and, and did um, did all the things you're supposed to do. He was at the hospital and I think under 10 or 15 minutes and, and pronounced dead on the scene. Um, that's a 39-year-old guy. I mean, not a a triathlete or anything like that, but not an, an unhealthy person. Um, and so, you know, we had planned to meet. We had this recording we were looking forward to. We had weeks of recordings mapped out for these podcasts of, of topics for shows, and we'd brainstormed about, oh, we'll do this for <clears throat> my 40th birthday in January, and we'll do this for his 40th birthday in April, and of course that's all gone. Um, and then Experience of well, I gotta tell a story. So I called him, uh, and I had to call um, our friend Katie, and um, you know I I fell apart a little bit that night, and uh, you know varying at varying points since um, I've had moments of just sheer just despair um, it still doesn't in six months still doesn't feel real um, it was very much in the middle of, of the action you know he had um, over the course of the next few days the sort of magnitude of the loss and of the tragedy became a little bit clearer um, when we learned he had um, a girlfriend nobody knew about. Um, they were really excited about the relationship and didn't tell anybody because they didn't want to jinx it. Um, not sure you succeeded there, buddy. Um, he was supposed to meet her in New York that week uh, after our recording, and, and obviously th that was meant to be like a surprise, but none of that happened. Um, she was totally in the dark, and the family hadn't met her. They were going to meet her at Thanksgiving, like, Days later, 
that ended up not happening. Um, he was going to be the best man at his friend's wedding in December, you know, and, and as with any death, all of this is canceled, right? It's not going to happen. And so, you know, we had a podcast all about grief and, and what to do in the wake of it. And it's been a, in a lot of ways, weird, good mental practice, right? To, feel these things and be honest about these things and have this sense of, of what it is to grieve and feel grief. And um, I wish I didn't have to choose it so much uh, in grieving him. Um, in terms of medically, this this drove me crazy. They weren't able to do an autopsy till March, and I don't know. I haven't gotten an update if, if that even happened with the, the COVID sanity that Mike's missing out on. Um, but it it they did reveal that he had sort of I'm, I'm not a doctor, um, so I don't have the full explanation here, but they did reveal that um he had uh, uh, deteriorated arteries. And so what he had thought was indigestion or heartburn, um, you know, what you think of as indigestion we call heartburn, but was literally his heart burning and and arteries that sort of frayed and, and gave out. Um, and I, you know, arteries I know carry blood away from the heart. And, and I also think, though, that Mike was a guy whose heart was extraordinarily full of love and that he gave it to everyone he could every time he could. And that perhaps it was more than his physical body could handle and that there was just this explosion of love um, radiating from Mike. And, and that's how I like to think about him. And, uh, you know, for us and, and our relationship, um, we had really been, it's, it's a weird twist of fate that it was sort of this friend's podcast we didn't get to complete because it was, it was in a lot of ways the culmination of our relationship. We, we became friends because of friends. We were not friends right away. Um, in fact, we, I don't think we had a single conversation uh, in two years of grad school together, and when our writers group was forming, um, seven of them were together, and they were like, one of them was like, "We need Nate uh, to join the group. We need we need somebody like that." And Maloney didn't want me in. Uh, he was like, "Oh, were we just gonna fucking let everybody in now?" And blah blah blah, because he didn't he didn't know me, and, and we didn't know each other, and and we were mistrustful of one another for reasons that would eventually become clear. But it, it was. Um, Interesting, given the way things go, that that, that is, is, and he's, he went on record as, as admitting that, and, and we joked about it all the time. But uh, yeah, he definitely didn't want me in the group. Um, but we came to, to sort of mutually respect each other because of, of sort of work ethic and the attention we paid and, and the way we supported our friends in, in and out of writers' group and um, our love of, of particularly friends in Seinfeld. Uh, I mean, I know we, we really... Uh, became close through sort of uh, dropping Seinfeld references that other people didn't quite get, but that we both were were tickled by. Um, and it became this sort of wonderful shorthand for connection, right? The way that Simpsons quotes or Arrested Development quotes or Seinfeld quotes can, you know, it's, it's so this is why memes are so popular, right? That it, it connects you to this shared experience of art. Um, though I don't know, that's that I feel a little bit sometimes like, you know, sometimes you say a meme or you, you say a reference from a show and it's it's misinterpreted, you know, as, as everybody thinks they know what 
you mean by we were on a break or something like that, but it, everybody maybe has a different meaning to it. But for Mike and I, I always felt like we communicated well with that shorthand. Um, and so we grew to get close. We also had a friend who was doing a like web project where he told the whole story of Friends in five minutes, and we were very you know, nitpicky about that and both seemed to have this like encyclopedic knowledge of the show. Uh, and it was around this time that we were sort of trying to figure out how to be professional screenwriters and, and taking any job we could. And we would refer jobs to one another. Um, and he put me up for a web series that I got. And, and we ended up doing a project together where we rewrote a script. And, and to try to get on the same page for that, you know, we knew we both like Seinfeld. We knew we both like Friends. But, like, what about this? Specifically, do you, like, we made a top, each made a top ten list of, of those shows and then watched them together all sort of, we had a couple overlaps and it was like 15 friends episodes and 18 Seinfeld or something like that. And, and it really helped us understand each other comedically in terms of our sensibilities as writers, but also each other just as people. Um, and, and sort of, Oh, this is where you come from and this is where I come from. And he, he Mike was not shy about uh, wanting his life to look as much like Seinfeld as it could. And he, he said of me, that when he became friends with me, he knew he'd met his George Costanza. Um, and so whenever I could involve Mike in some silly George Costanza scheme, uh, I did. And, and one time I had to, uh, it was time for me to get a, a real day job. And so I had to um, pass a drug test to get a job at a liquor store, which still doesn't quite make sense to me. But um, I didn't, I wasn't going to pass a drug test for numerous reasons. Uh, so I needed a clean sample. Maloney was one of the only people I knew who, who didn't smoke or, or do, do a harder drugs. So I got him to, or I asked him if he would be willing to, you know, pee in a, a bottle for me, basically. Uh, and his exact response were, my heart and bladder are full. Um, and he gave me the, the clean sample and I, I ended up, long story short, I got his urine all over my hands, but I ended up getting the job. Um, and, and that's. He was just down, man. He was supportive, and and he was uh, showed up for me at times and in ways I I couldn't even imagine. He he understood the importance of showing up, and that that's what what a, a relationship was about. I ultimately think, you know, one of the reasons we weren't close right away is because we both came from single moms, and we had dads who you know we loved dearly and looked up to, and and who were these sort of athletic gods and, and gifted in that way in a way Mike and I weren't and and also were a little more absent than I think we wanted but that's fair to say of both of our dads and and um, I think that gave us this sort of mistrust of of people in general but particularly men and so we, we were standoffish at first but over the course of, of those years we came to as they say value each other and, and and Mike put work into relationships in in a way I didn't recognize as important he just, he just valued relationships more than me and, and he would do set up the try to set up these things so that the relationships should keep going right so like something like a, a dinner club where every month a group of us got together and tried a new restaurant in la or, or a writer's group right weekly meetings to go over our material and, and commiserate about the entertainment industry or uh, playing golf every week at this par three course that started off as three of us or four of us and then eventually just became Mike and I, Mike and I, Mike and I, Mike and I. Um, and I mean, over the course of these these golf rounds and riding in his car through LA and eating at diners and stuff, it just, 
miserating about our, our lives and his unsuccessful screenwriters. It just, I didn't realize it, it. I didn't realize the bond that was forming between us. And I didn't realize I was sort of so focused on what I wasn't that I didn't realize how incredibly valuable the relationship in front of me was. Um, and I mean, Mike, he valued and nourished aspects of me. I didn't, know we're there or even valuable and, and I don't really know what more you can ask from a friend um, with this pandemic with Kobe Bryant dying with Steve Kerr talking on the, the Chicago Bulls documentary The Last Dance there's all these wonderful things Mike has missed all these horrible things Mike has missed and I don't know you know I don't know if you were cut out buddy for or pandemic, I know you would have been you would have enjoyed this time alone as much as I have. Um, oh, the podcast we could have recorded. Um, it's hard hard not to miss you, and it's hard not to feel like this is a lie or, or feel like this is some elaborate joke because it's it's there are definitely friends I had who I didn't think would see forty, and Mike Maloney was not one of them, and um, it's still. I still wake up days or find myself in the middle of the night at times having trouble believing it's real and, and having trouble um, sort of knowing if this is actual. I just having trouble believing it. Um, we had a nice ceremony for him. Ceremony is a strong word. There was a, a gathering at a, a, a restaurant in the San Jose area. A bunch of us from grad school came out and um, it was great to see everybody. It was a real sort of surreal experience um, of living a reenactment of the big chill or something like that. It was, it was, uh, I don't know. And everybody, uh, I, I haven't really unpacked all of it. It was still, I'm still sort of dazed by it. And then it just, you know, from that right into global pandemic. So there's not really been a lot of time to get into these feelings. And, and I was sort of, I've been hesitant to record a podcast about this because I haven't been able to talk about it. But then I saw that Mark Maron's partner died like May 16th and he's already got a podcast up memorializing her May 18th. So maybe I can, six months after Mike's death, lay something down here to let everybody know, you know how much I loved him and how much I miss him, um, even still. And I, I, I wish he were around because one of the things we were going to talk about in, in relation rather to, to friends is this idea of the show's unrealistic expectations. And for me, it was the things that pissed me off about that show or the career stuff, right? They sort of promise you, oh, you want to you wanna, um, be a chef? You'll get your own restaurant, right? You want to, oh, you're going to be an actor? You'll get Days of Our Lives and then you'll get a, a big career and you'll get to work. And of course, that's not how the fucking world works at all, right? Um, you know, and also I think the, the Ross and Rachel thing of like, yeah, you'll get you'll end up getting with that girl from high school you pined for. And it's like, no, you absolutely will not. Uh, and it might like really mess both of you up trying to do that. Um, but for Mike, what upset him, the unrealistic expectations friends created in Mike was this, that this group of friends would stay together forever. Right. And, and that it was unrealistic that, you know, they would always sort of be there for each other. He felt, I, I know he felt um, sometimes betrayed and abandoned, us as friends, whether you know, because we moved away, we got married, or you know the circumstances of our lives uh, 
couldn't always be what they were in grad school where we just sort of had this time to like off and hang out and live our lives like Seinfeld, you know, sooner or later, you know, if you can't find your, your place in this world, you're, it's going to find you, right? You're, you, you end up finding responsibility. Like it's, it's, you can try to try to construct a life that is devoid of it, but eventually responsibility is going to find you. And, and I think it found all of our grad school friends in, in one way or another. And, and that leads to this sort of fissuring uh, and distance, particularly in these relationships as you have people in New Jersey and Chicago and North Carolina and, and Northern California who were once all, you know, within a mile, two mile vicinity of each other. And, and uh, you know, you get older, you live further apart, those relationships get further apart, you grow further apart. But, and so Mike felt betrayed by that, but I wish that I could have told him how fucking wrong he was and how dumb that was and that um, our friendship wasn't and isn't a static thing. It's not confined to a time and to a space. Um, it isn't an apartment, front seat of a car or a diner or a golf course or a city. Friendship isn't even limited to a plate of being, right? You've been dead six months, buddy, and I still think you're my friend. You know, we recorded a show and connected from two different cities. And when Joey moved to L.A., Chandler didn't even call him. So I don't know what more you could have wanted or what more we could have wanted except to get to keep going. And that's the one thing we can't have. So it, it's super sad. And I don't have a joke to end on. Uh, I don't have a, a nice way to button this up and, and say that gonna be okay or put on a glad face i think that's you know don't uh, with everything going on in the world right now don't burden yourself with the the added weight of trying to be positive in the face of an absolute lack of positivity um but i did want to lay something down and i did want to let everybody know you know how much i still miss them and how fucked up inside uh this whole thing has been um, so, I mean, <clears throat> love you, buddy, and I hope that wherever you are, you're feeling better about things, and, and you're with your dad, and I hope that, um, you will give me some winning lottery numbers or something, and let's use this ability of you on one plane and me on another to, to our mutual benefit here if we can, all right, buddy? Thank you. All right, I love you. I miss you.